Welcome to The Birth Collective, a podcast to honour the birth journey collectively from conception, pregnancy, through to birth, breastfeeding and beyond. I'm your host, Tina Pullen, and in each episode, I'll be joined by experts in the birth space, as well as mums at different stages in their birth journey, sharing their knowledge and experiences. Collective. And today I'm joined by a special guest. It's my first guest on the podcast, which is so exciting. Um, and it's my friend Jess, who was one of my hypnobirthing mums and also a really good friend of mine. And today she's going to share her amazing birth story. So hi, Jess, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be on a podcast. I feel like a celebrity. You are. <laughs> Do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Jess, as you mentioned. Um, I have a beautiful one-year-old daughter called Poppy. She is crazy and I love her. I feel very blessed to have spent, you know, a year at home with her. It's been the best, even through lockdown. Um, I'm a primary school teacher. I teach in Southwest Sydney and I have done so for many years. Um, more recently, I work with teachers to improve their literacy and numeracy. Um, and most recently, while being on mat leave, I have written some children's books. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. My, my niche is kind of writing maths books for kids which has been kind of unexpectedly popular. So if anyone listening wants to follow along, um, my Instagram is at the teacher author and I share lesson ideas and other cool stuff. So check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, bought, I bought the books for my kids and, yeah, we love them. But yeah, nothing like a uh, like maternity leave to yeah. start a new project. I don't know if it's because, I mean, you're home. And you don't have to think about work. I mean, you're pretty busy with a little one. Yeah. Or it's just like the birth itself kind of like, I don't know, creates this new passion in you. Because um, it's it's really funny that, you know, so many so many women have that kind of career change um, or oh, start totally. a business when they're on mat leave. I think it's because you have creative space left in your brain again. Like you just, you have this time and this energy to go, what do I actually want to do? And, you know, for me, the kind of the stars aligned because I was in lockdown as well. So my husband was working from home, so I had all this time. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, true. also teachers, so many teachers end up deciding that they want to do a side hustle. So it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. Love that. Um, well, let's start with your pregnancy because yeah. I think that is important and that flows on into the birth. So, yeah, tell us about your pregnancy with Poppy. So um, pregnancy, I, I kind of have mixed feelings when I think back to it because it took us about a year to fall pregnant, which mm. on reflection isn't a long time. But I just found it really hard month by month, just constantly feeling like I was failing. So, you mm. know, you, and especially because like I was so diligent about doing the bloody ovulation tests and like, you know, like I researched everything within an inch of its life to be like, I'm going to fall pregnant and it wasn't happening. And I couldn't understand why it wasn't like, I couldn't control that. And I just, I had convinced myself that something was wrong. Um, so basically I went on school holidays and then fell pregnant. So, um, I mean, I was doing a couple of other things as well. I was taking some supplements and I, I feel like that ended up helping in the end. 
Um, but the whole process of falling pregnant, like not fun. No. <laughs> Sex to fall pregnant, <laughs> not fun. <laughs> Sorry to my husband listening, but it's like, you know, after a few months, it just gets to the point where you just think, oh my God, I can't, you know, it's just, you just think it's never going to happen. And then it yeah. does. And then, yeah. And then I was pregnant. I thought in the beginning that I was going to have a miscarriage um, because I had some bleeding on and off, which I don't know. I just thought bleeding is bad. Yep. Um, but then all of the medical professionals that I spoke to said it can be quite normal, especially especially implantation bleeding and then some other stuff. So yeah, so I was pregnant. Um, my pregnancy was fine. I didn't really have um, many issues. I found it difficult um to go to obstetrician appointments um because a lot of the time I feel like they were maybe flagging some things that to them weren't really a big deal but being a first time mom I found it really hard to kind of get all of the information I had to go and see an obstetrician because my um I had some issues with my thyroid and they just wanted to monitor it throughout my pregnancy mm-hmm. um so I pretty much had to go to an appointment oh, probably you know once every couple of weeks And yeah, they just kept flagging things that, you know, ended up being nothing in the end. But for me, I just, I'm a worrier, you know, they, they Mm. say, oh, we're a little bit concerned because, you know, the the baby may be not getting enough fluid through the umbilical cord. And then I'd go home and spiral and be like, right, so this is it, you know? And yeah. then they're just saying this is probably fine and normal. We just want to let you know that we're going to monitor it. But mm. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's a little bit ignorance is bliss. Like if I hadn't gone to any of those appointments, I wouldn't have known about any of those things and I would probably would have yeah. felt a little bit less anxious. Yeah, it can be pretty scary especially as a first-time mum you know you're oh. Told, oh this could be an issue and then it's like well let me get on google yeah oh. let me google this google i know <laughs> and like in the end i couldn't go to any appointments by myself because i felt like every time i'd i'd leave them i couldn't process all of the information and then i would kind of yeah just go home and spiral so i ended up either taking my husband or my mum with me and mm. then i don't know i just i felt like because they kept flagging things that it just wasn't going to be okay, you know, that that when I finally did give birth that, I don't know, something was going to go wrong. I don't know why. I think it's just because it was just constant flagging of things that I just mm-hmm. thought something's not right. And there wasn't in the end, but, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. I, yeah. I found pregnancy difficult in that respect and I probably would change some things for the next baby in terms of what I chose to kind of take on and listen to and, and really, you know, bring bring into my mind and my headspace. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon as well that that kind of stems from, well, I mean, that's why I like to talk about from preconception to birth because when we're talking about the birth story, I feel like it starts at conception because like that mindset that you have of, you mm. know, like you're starting off and you're like, oh, it's something's wrong with me. Yeah. I can't get pregnant. Oh, I'm pregnant. Something's wrong with me. I'm going to miscarry. Oh, something's wrong with me. And you kind of like carry that thought pattern through. Because mm. I I feel like I always remember the negative stuff, right? So, so many people mm-hmm. would tell me. I know thousands of people who have had babies. I'm not that popular. Probably hundreds of people that have babies. <laughs> but, um, you know, I probably only remember the very small percentage of people that told me that it was really difficult for them to fall pregnant or that they had fertility issues or, you know, when they were pregnant, they had this issue, this issue. Like, I think, you know, I don't know if it's just me or if it's just humans, our nature is to hold on to that stuff um, and just think, what if that's me? What if that's me? So yeah. And, you know, we always joke about 
the teacher staff room because it's kind of filled with mm-hmm. women. You kind of hear a lot of, um, I, I don't, I think people mean well, they just want to share their story. But a lot of the time um, people want to share, you know, some of the problems that they had or some of the issues that they had, whether it is during pregnancy or, or during their birth. So I would kind of take on a lot of that as well. So um, mm. I think my next pregnancy will be different, but that was kind of, when I look back at my, my pregnancy now, I just, remember a lot of the time feeling anxious that something was wrong because I held on to all of the negative stuff and you know when I would take my husband to appointments like we would both walk out and he would be like oh so great everything's amazing like how good's this and I'd be like were you listening she said that we were off by 0.1 of a percent of this level like it's bad and he's like I didn't I feel like everything was fine she was you know so it was probably just me I feel like I'm the same It's like when you're giving feedback, you need to give like how many positives to a negative because you Mm. always focus on the negative. So it's like five positives to a negative or something. Yeah. Because you will hold on to, yeah, yeah. oh, you're amazing. You're the best teacher I've ever seen. But you did this one little thing. (laughs) And then you're like, I am a failure. Yeah. I failed in life. (laughs) I know. That, That was, that's me. What preparation did you do in the lead up to birth? Well, obviously you did my class. Yes. So um, before I went to your class, I just thought that birth was just horrendous. That's just what it is Mm -hmm. because every single person that I had spoken to, um, you know, in the teacher staff room had to, oh, well, well, let me tell you about my birth. Just sit down, make a cup of tea (laughs) because, you know, have I got a story for you? And then I'd leave and just think, fuck, how am I going to do this? Um, mm-hmm. so I needed to do hypnobirthing and I just, and I also you had no choice. <laughs> I had no choice. I was like, you're but coming. <laughs> but the way you spoke about it just made me go, I, I can't even believe that there's another side to the story. I can't actually believe that this can be positive. Mm. Um, and my husband was the same. He was like, I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'm going to hold your hand and we're just going to scream through it. That was basically our thought pattern before going. And then I went to hypnobirthing and, oh, my God. I mean, anyone that's been, the videos, the the videos mm-hmm. that you watch, people giving birth that don't look like they're dying, that look like they're actually enjoying it or that they feel really calm was just like the biggest change of my mindset. I just could not believe that it could actually be you know, quite an enjoyable experience that just never registered to me. That was really nice to change my headspace. And I'm a person that really needs to, um, you know, have a bit of a, a toolbox or things that I can do to help the situation. I don't like feeling helpless. And I, I think mm-hmm. if I had not gone to hypnobirthing, I would have really felt helpless. Um, and my husband would have been completely helpless on what to do and what my choices were. So I liked being able to have research on what works, what my options are, and, you know, really what I could prepare for my my birth. And I yeah. was very diligent at it because I really wanted to be good <laughs> at giving birth. <laughs> I had lots of time in the end on maternity leave, so I did all of the things, you know. I We did the, um, the affirmations. We listened to all of the self-hypnosis tracks. Um, I got my husband to do all of the light touch massage. That was my favourite. So I feel like I really, really prepared um, for mm. birth and I'm really glad that I did um, because... You did Cairo as well. 
I did Cairo as well, which was excellent. Um, you recommended that to me. Um, she really helped talk me through um, getting the baby into the right position, things that I could do um, to support um, my body in the process. So, I, yeah, I, I really feel like the labour part and the birth part of my story I felt really good and positive about, like probably too positive about. Like I was honestly like felt like I was going to have a really positive experience because I had done so much preparation and I felt like I had such a good toolkit behind me. And I had your phone number <laughs> in case I needed to call <laughs> you around. The preparation made me really excited for it. Awesome. So you were all prepared, ready to go, and then you went into labour. How did it all happen? Oh, yeah, labour. So I thought that it was never going to happen. I was um, 40 weeks and three days, and I knew I knew everything in my head about due dates don't exist and you know it's really normal to go past your due date but I had a couple of friends go into labor you know who were due at the same time as me and they sort of went at 38 weeks and so it felt like I was waiting 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 and I didn't really have any signs of labor I didn't have any Braxton Hicks I didn't have any sort of any any inkling that anything was going to happen so I just was like why isn't why am aren't I getting any signals that this is happening mm-hmm. you know I went to an obstetrician appointment um at about 40 weeks and three days and they had sort of hinted to me that if um the labor doesn't sort of start within the next couple of days that they're going to start talking to me about induction and that was not something that I wanted to do that was not part of um, my plan because to me that wasn't a real reason to be induced you know mm-hmm. if there was a medical reason um we probably would have had that conversation and talked more about it but for me I was I was set on on not doing that unless I needed to so I went home that night I said to my <laughs> husband you know that's it we're, we're getting this baby out like I want to go into labor I, I just don't want to be induced so I had a beautiful bath and I used a lot of clary sage oil and I just thought I'm just going to breathe and just do all of the affirmation and the birth tracks and I'm just going to get into a positive place and I walk sorry that was my blender (laughs) (laughs) who the fuck is that (laughs) (laughs) oh god um so I went to the bathroom and I had lost my mucus plug and um you know, I knew at that point that that didn't necessarily mean that na- like labor was imminent. You know, I probably still had a bit of time, but I was just so excited that something had happened. I was like, right, mm. I'm actually going to go into labor. And then I thought, great, you know, I put on a maternity pad. And I thought, I don't know how much mucus plug is going to come out. So I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to go watch some trashy MTV. So I walked to my um, TV to start the show and my water broke, <laughs> which at the time I didn't know whether it was the water, I'm thinking, geez, this is a lot of mucus plug. I feel like this is a lot of extra fluid, but then I figured out because I heard a pop that it was actually my water's breaking, which I completely did not expect because I just thought that that was, I mean, is that unusual? Well, it's only about 10% of women who have oh. their water's break first. So yeah. you're special. Um, yeah, I completely did not <laughs> expect that to happen. My mum had said to me, your water's going to break first. I was like, mum, I've done hip birthing. Like sit down, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you, and she was right. I actually did. <laughs> my waters break. So then my waters broke, and I just called the hospital to let them know. And they wanted me to come in, um, which, you know, thinking back, I, I probably didn't need to go in because when I did go into the hospital, they were a little bit concerned that, um, you know, maybe um, my baby had done their, is it the meconium? The yeah, poop? done their first poo. Yeah. 
yeah, because of some of the colour of, I guess, my waters breaking, they wanted to kind of monitor me for a little bit. And I pretty much had contraction, contractions straight away. So um, when I was in the hospital, I was having contractions, but they wanted to put the CTG machine around me to monitor and make sure that everything was okay. And they kind of wanted to do that for a few hours. And the thing about CTG machines, is that you can't move. Like you have mm. to stay st- like perfectly still. And if you don't stay perfectly still, you actually need to start again because they can't get the readings that they're after. Yeah. I found it really hard because all I wanted to do was move. Was move I needed yeah. to move and I couldn't move. So in the end, they got the readings that they wanted and I was able to go home, which I was really relieved about. Mm. And um, at this point, did was there any induction talk or, you know, they wanted to check your um, cervix or anything like that? Um, no. Well, I had a birth plan. So I think, and it was basically the printed out hypnobirthing <laughs> example. It was don't fucking touch me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it was like, let me see. I'm surprised they put a CTG machine on me, to be honest. But no, the only thing they had said, which maybe you can tell me more about because I still don't really understand, is that because my waters had broken, they wanted to give antibiotics um, to me to prevent infection from the baby. And if I didn't give birth within, I think it was like 24 hours or maybe 36 hours that they were going to induce. And mm-hmm. I didn't really understand why, but in my head I was like, no. But so like, I don't, yeah, why do they give you? Yeah. So there is an increased risk of infection once your waters break, but mm-hmm. it really depends on the hospital at what point they induce because some hospitals, the policy is 24 hours, some is a 36. It just really yeah. depends on um, your postcode because it's yeah. whatever the hospital policy has kind of ha- has put down. But, um, you know, it's not considered prolonged till after 24 um, and we do have antibiotics, which is great because that's a um, way to decrease the risk of infection if you've got prolonged yeah. rupture of membranes. Gotcha. So it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Well, anyway, they sent me home. So um, I was able to come and, and sit on the medicine ball and, and start, you know, breathing through my contractions and, you know, just be comfortable in my space. <sighs> Poppy was in the wrong position at that time. She was... Um, I still don't know because I didn't really have any any um, tests with the hospital, but I could feel all my labour in my back, which mm. I think means that they're kind of not sitting in the right position. Is that right? Yeah. So probably she was probably posterior trying to yes. turn. Yeah. So she was basically on my back, and the oh my god! Like, can we just talk about tens machines for a minute? Mm. Yeah. Holy majoli! They, I think I wore my tens machine for like you know, spoiler alert, because my labor went for about 36 hours. I, I think I wore it for about 30 of the hours, the TENS machine. Wow. I tried at one point to go in the shower or go into the bath because I knew that that could be a really good way to, you know, help with, with some of the intensity. But I, I couldn't stay there because I needed my TENS machine. So mm-hmm. I would, I didn't use water at all because I was scared of electrocuting myself. So <laughs> I basically put the TENS machine on from the beginning and it really – I think, honestly, it really saved me from having to get any intervention because mm. every single time I felt that that pain in my back or that intensity in my back, I just turned that 10 machine up and it was, it was, it was okay. You know, I could, mm. I could do it. I could manage it. I think you're like, if you, if your baby is posterior, your labor is a little bit different without oh. having experienced both. 100%. From what I've heard. Yeah. I think 
just have a TENS machine. Anyone who's pregnant, just have a TENS machine with you. If you don't use it, that's fine. Hire one. You know, it's not a big financial cost. Just keep it to the side. If you don't use it, you don't use it. But yep. if you use it and it helps you, it's the most incredible tool that we we had with us. And I had learned about that through hypnobirthing and I kind of kept it in the back of my mind. But it really, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, with anyone that I've taught who's used the TENS machine, they have Mm. sworn by it, except for I think like one person who um, it just, it's not really negative feedback. It was just that it didn't do anything because her contractions were all in the front. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't going to do anything, but that's like the, that's the worst kind of feedback I've received from it, but everybody else loved it. Yes. So definitely get it. I don't think you will know if your baby is going to go posterior because, as I said, I had gone to Cairo and she had sort of said that the baby, you know, seems like they're in the right position. I had done ultrasounds. She was in the right position. And only when I went into labor did she go posterior. Yeah. So um, I'm so glad I had that with me because it was it was really my savior. Um, So I basically wore the TENS machine. I was here at home, um, you know, until, you know, for a probably like 12 15 hours and I was timing my contractions and I thought they were getting closer together so I thought you know I think it's time to go to the hospital which yeah for me was too early because when I went Mm -hmm. to the hospital um, my contractions slowed down straight away Um, Mm -hmm. they you know almost went away completely I probably went from having a couple per minute to having one every three to five minutes um, and I think it just because was, I wasn't in my, you know, comfortable space. I, I When I went into the hospital again, they wanted to put the CTG machine on me so I couldn't move, I couldn't get things going. So I think I had gone to the hospital too early and it was because of the timing of my contractions. Had I listened to mm-hmm. my body and kind of thought I, I'm, I'm probably not ready to go, then it probably would have been a better decision. But at the time I just went, you know, we're going to go, we're going to see what happens. Um, and yeah, so basically that's, can... that's such a good point because mm. everyone asks me, when do I go to the hospital? Oh, and yeah. Everyone wants an answer and it's yeah. like, well, look, I can give you a guide of, you know, when you're consistently having two to three surges in a 10-minute period and it's been mm. like, you know, an hour and it's consistent. But for some women, they're at that stage for a while and yeah. the contractions are pretty bearable. So yeah. it's too early for you to go. But then for yeah. some women, they get to that point and, you know, within the hour they're pushing the baby out. So mm-hmm. you just don't know birth. There's, there's no rules to birth. It's not linear. Like, you okay. know, so I think the the only thing you can't mistake is how you're feeling. So if you're feeling like I cannot do this anymore, I can't be at home anymore, well, then go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. If you know, you know. Like you yeah. just know, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't know. I was questioning whether I was ready or not, so Mm. I probably wasn't ready. Um, Look, going to the hospital wasn't the worst thing. I actually had really amazing midwives who talked me through some acupressure points that would be helpful at this point in time, which I had done through hypnobirthing, but I just, while I was in labour, forgot about, you know, different acupressure points to do um, to try and get her in the right position. I don't think it was processing for me that she wasn't, in the right position. I think I just was like, this is labor. I've just got to get through labor. And it was only when they had sort of said to me, Hey, maybe try pressing on these pressure points. Maybe try doing this. And I thought, Oh my God, I know how to do this. (laughs) I know how to get the baby to the right position. I've done hypnobirthing. Okay. Yep. I know what to do now sort of thing. Yeah. I was so stupid. Anyway. um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so then they sent me back home again. Um, and it had been a long time at this point. So they said to me, they're amazing. I'm not criticizing them at all. They, they basically said to me, because I had been in labor for so long, my body was so fatigued that it was unlikely that I would then push to the next part of active labor because I needed to rest. Mm. So they wanted me to go home and basically sleep, which I I didn't feel like I could do because my contractions, you know, were still happening. We went home. We tried all of the, um, is it inversion? Forward leaning inversion. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, we did the forward leaning inversion. We did the... What's the thing with the, the shaky thing? one? We did the on the butt or the, or the belly? No, the, tum- the belly. The tum- yep, yep. Cool. Oh, both. We did both. Yeah. So we're doing all of the hypnobirthing techniques to try and get her in the right position. And then eventually after we'd done that for a couple of hours, I just, um, my husband said, I think you just need to lay in bed and just try and breathe through them. So I laid in bed and I said to him, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I no. can't do it anymore. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. This is too much. Call the hospital. Tell him I'm coming in for a C-section. <laughs> he said, I think just wait a little bit longer. I think subconsciously he knew that I was probably transitioning and yes. that, you know, when you say that, that's when stuff's going to happen. But I didn't know at the time. I just thought, you know, fuck I just can't do it anymore. It had been so many hours. I was thinking, fuck this, just get me in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I said, to, he said, look, let's just wait another 10 minutes. And, you know, if you want, then I'll call the hospital. Like, okay. So then... I'm laying down, I'm getting up, I'm having a contraction. I'm laying down, I'm getting up, I'm having a contraction. And this was happening really, like within, you know, it had gone from twice a minute to like every 20 seconds. And he was like, you know, babe, I feel like your contractions are really starting to happen quickly now. You know, there's not really much time in between. And he was like, I'm going to call the hospital. I think it's time to go. And I was like, all right, call them. So he gets on the phone to the hospital. He's talking to them and they're probably thinking, oh my God, this girl has been in twice already. Like, no. <laughs> No, yeah. stay home. You're not coming in again. <laughs> they didn't say that, but you know they're probably thinking, you know, just stay at home for as long as possible now because you've yeah. been in twice, and you know. So then he said to me, "I don't know, baby, you ready?" And I just said, "I'm ready." I knew because my back pain had gone away. I felt like she had transitioned. Mm-hmm. The contractions were happening really, really quickly, and I thought, "Nah, now I know. I know now yeah. it's time to go." <laughs> So we went to the hospital again <laughs> um, and I went into my room and um, I said, I think I'm ready to push. And my husband was like, sweet, I, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Mm. I pushed for a long time. I pushed for about five or six hours, which I don't think I was ready to push when I thought I was ready to push. I mm. think that she had just transitioned out of posterior into the right position and it kind of moved down into the right position. And because mm. I felt that something had changed, I thought, okay, yeah, I felt that push. pressure maybe down. Yes. It, yes. it just felt different. It felt different and I thought different means push. Mm. Um, so I pushed for a long time. I had the most amazing midwives who just let me be. They probably really thoroughly read my birth plan and knew that I didn't want intervention unless it was absolutely medically necessary. Um, and they kept using the, is it the Doppler? Yep. yep. To measure the baby's um, heart rate and she, Poppy was fine. She Her heart rate was stable. She, it didn't seem like she was in distress at all. And I think because the baby wasn't in distress at all and I wasn't in distress, they were happy to let me go for as long as I needed to. And yeah. so she just let me – she suggested different positions to try for pushing. I loved being on the toilet. It was mm-hmm. my favourite. It was so familiar. <laughs> it was so <laughs> – <laughs> it was so familiar to push um and yeah anyway so after a few hours I, pu- 
pushed her out and out she came. Um, and we were all just so happy that after a really long labour that I we had managed to, I guess, do it all without um, lots of scary, interven- or for me, scary interventions. Mm. Um, but, yeah, out she came and then there she was. And they tried to put me, tr- they tried to put her on my chest, but my umbilical cord was so short. <laughs> but they're, like, trying to, like, put her. Anyway, she could basically only get on my belly button. So I yeah. had this awkward, like, picture of, like, this baby just laying on my belly button. <laughs> You know, I wanted that cute photo where they go, oh, they go up to your neck and you give them a little pillow. Nah, like yeah. she was just, you know, laying on my stomach. And because I didn't want them to cut the umbilical cord, I wanted, you know, as much time to keep the umbilical cord connected as possible. Mm. They just left her on my belly. So it was a little bit of an awkward, like, first interaction. Um, but then eventually, yeah, I was able to lay her on my chest and she was fine. She was good. So I was just, I mean, I was so, I don't know that I had that moment of like, first you know like everyone talks about the baby comes out and you just feel like your whole universe spins around and changes and you just like my life is forever changed and I can't believe the love I have for this baby like I don't think I had that in the first instance I think I just looked at the baby and went oh my god it's an actual baby because yeah. of my pregnancy they had flagged so many things that they were concerned about I just for some reason just thought this baby didn't exist and that or that she'd come out and something they have to rush her away so I couldn't process that I actually had a child mm-hmm. so I think I was just more like wow like in awe that this baby had come out and now everything was okay and I actually was going to be a mum. So I think that was my first feeling. And then over time, obviously, that that beautiful connection happened. But, yeah, um, yeah they put her um, on my breast so that we could breastfeed straight away. She was a bit unco, but she got there in the end. Um, and then I slept for a really long time, <laughs> for a really long time, i say a couple of hours, um, <laughs> while they kind of, you know, did all of the, tests to make sure that everything was okay and yeah wow that's an amazing story and you know what I always reference your story because if on paper you hear that someone had a 36 hour labor Mm. you're like oh shit and and a long labor I mean obviously we don't want to make it longer than it needs to be right but a long labor isn't necessarily a bad one because you have women who have four-hour labors who it's like from the beginning it's like oh yes like and and frequent and you don't have that rest you don't have that time you know so um it's not necessarily a bad thing but also you were listening to your body and you had the help of the midwives to say look you know the baby just needs some help getting through the pelvis yeah and as soon as she had turned it's like yeah exactly a few hours after that so um, yeah, just really important to, I think, listen to what your baby's telling you in those instances. Like, Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, like everyone, if I could go back in time, I probably would have made a couple of different decisions because now I know how things turned out. I probably wouldn't have gone to hospital um, as frequently as I did because I feel like that did slow down the process, like I said. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I don't regret anything. You kind of do the best that you can with the knowledge that you have in the moment. Yeah. Um, and even though it was really, really long, I still think of it as a super positive experience because, you know, I was really able to birth Poppy in the way that I, I wanted to. Like when I think about my next baby, I'm not pregnant, but <laughs> when I think of my next baby, like I feel empowered to do it again. You know, yeah. I don't feel like, oh, God, I have to do that again. Exactly. Get a TENS machine, people. That's that's my main Seriously. takeaway. Just get one, hire one, yeah. keep it with you. If you don't need it, you don't need it, but just yeah. keep it with you just in case. Oh, love that tip. 
I literally like, and I think it's after your birth. I say it as a almost a non-negotiable now in the classes. Oh, just get a tens machine. Yeah, it's it was just so helpful. I I think you know if you have a back labor like I did, it, you need it. You know, I feel like I yeah, your instinct kicks in as a as a parent, and you you kind of learn how to take care of your baby, but. I think it's really important to know ways to look after yourself after you give birth because, mm-hmm. you know, just little things like book an appointment to go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because they can really give you some insight into basically what's going on down there. You mm-hmm. know, how can I get my pelvic floor back to a functional place? Um, let me let me just basically make sure that everything's good because if it's not, then you know, that can really have an impact on your mental health. You just kind of want to bounce, you don't want to bounce back to yourself, but you, you want to get, you want to get back to a place where you feel like you're yourself again. Mm-hmm. And I think that really um, supported me. I think just knowing, you know, cause your digestive system is so sluggish after you have a baby. Yep. I think people told me that, but I didn't really hear it. You really need to eat easy to digest foods. Mm-hmm. Um because if you don't, then that can really impact basically, you know, everything, how you feel, you feel sluggish, mm. you know, um, your constipation levels, like things like that, that you don't really think about. And you don't really think of that important because you think I've got a baby. That's all that really matters. But yeah, I think, I think there's so many other things that are so important that you don't really know until you've done it. Yeah. And I think, I feel like now just listening to you, this I need someone to talk about postpartum as a whole episode because oh yeah especially like second time third time mums they've been through it and then they know to prepare and to invest in postpartum but the first time you I feel like you're so focused on birth and breastfeeding that you forget about yourself and Mm -hmm. um you know there's a really good book called the first 40 days Um, And that has lots of really beautiful, like warm and nourishing recipes in there that can help. Yeah, because your digestive system is a bit sluggish and people forget that you have a wound in your uterus the size Mm. of a dinner plate. Like it's not all about your vagina. Yeah. You know, the vagina bounces back pretty quickly. You know, if you've had some tearing in the in the perineum and stuff okay that obviously requires healing but the vagina itself is usually pretty good yeah it's your uterus you know the placenta has detached it's been it's growing to house this baby and then has to go back to its normal size there's a lot of a lot of stuff happening so Mm. yeah that's a good thing to to look into definitely go to your gp um six (laughs) week checkup um i have an amazing gp he's awesome but there's nothing like actually going to a pelvic floor physio because they're specializing in what you need so exactly um, and i think if you have the means um to even start by seeing a pelvic floor physio in pregnancy because mm -hmm. they can assess your pelvic floor and see what exercises work for you because you know a lot of people doing like kegels and stuff yes pregnancy and you know if you're someone with a hyperactive pelvic floor to overactive or tight it's probably not the exercise to do so you know you're having that person that you see through your pregnancy that can help with your birth but then also can help with your recovery as well that's something that I think people don't really talk about it's so funny too that you said that because when I actually went to the pelvic floor physio they they will let you know if you're doing your kegels or pelvic floor um, exercises correctly she was like nope <laughs> nope that's yeah. not right try this and I was doing it throughout my whole pregnancy thinking yep I'm doing my pelvic yeah, I'm floor doing exercises <laughs> strengthening it good job and she was like yeah you're not you're not doing it right I was like okay <laughs> so what a waste that was 
Um, the other thing I just thought of too is it's it's also good throughout your pregnancy um, to do physio exercises to keep you. I feel like that really contributed to, you know, when towards the end of your pregnancy, it's really, you feel really heavy. You feel really like you, you do experience pain because you're carrying, you know, extra weight. Mm. And if you do the right physio exercises to strengthen the right areas, I just did an online course. I think I did one called Physio Laura and she just does like a 10, 15 minute video every day. And it was really good to just feel strong in the right places and just to know that mm. you were preparing your body um, and just keeping nice and strong for that. So yeah. Is that weird? Like talking about it in detail again? Yeah. It's like, I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hmm, I feel the tingle. I feel the tingle in my ovaries. I love your birth story so much. So thank you for coming on here and being my first official guest and sharing your story. I really think that it's going to help lots of women and there's so many good tips in there. So, yeah, thanks again and have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.